Hi, you're listening to Phil DeBella, and this is Flashcast by PDB. And today I'm going to be answering some questions around sales teams. And um, this comes in from one of my um, workers and people that I admire a lot and has been with me for many years and is the general manager of International Coffee Traders. And we're having a discussion around, um, you know, the process I go about with um, sales teams. And um, so he's given me a few questions that this would make a great uh, flashcast for people to understand how you've always gone about looking after people that look after you. So um, thank you, Ray. Um, not only for being an amazing uh, person, human and team member, but uh, for your uh, questions and suggestions for me to share how we've tackled sales teams. Um, so a few of the things we're going to answer is what does it look like on the organizational structure? Um, how do we work with referrals? How do we incentivize, motivate the team? Uh, what has worked? What hasn't? And how do you uh, manage the risk of salespeople leaving you after they bring clients and make sure that they don't take them with you? So a lot to get through in 10 minutes, but um, let's give them all a tackle. Let me just start by saying that the ethos ethos and vision um, and brand value that I always set for sales teams is the more money you make the organization, the more money it will make you. Um, and you've got to not just say this, you've got to believe it. So I've always had the philosophy of, of the more you do for the organization, the more the organization will do for you. The more money you make for the organization, the more money you will make for yourself. And you need to, um, once you send that brand promise and you implement that uh, that value uh, when it comes to sales or business development people, which is what I called my team, because it's um, their responsibility to develop the business, then it's very important that you then put the structure in place to do that. So how does it look on a structure, on an org structure for me? It's always looked as a business development manager. I don't like the word sales and the difference to me is a sale is often a transaction, a one-off transaction where you're pushing something onto a person. So to me, um, and again, these are my um, my take on it and how I've gone about it. So I'm not saying this works for everybody or that my way is the only way. This is uh, how I help build a company from zero to the biggest in the country and what we did um, and how I tackled it. So it's all from personal experience. I'll just make that disclaimer now because I'm not saying that my way is the only way. A salesperson to me normally push pushes a product or a service onto somebody. Whereas a business development manager needs to manage how they're going to develop the business. And already to me, it sets the brand promise of business development manager actually works with somebody to help their business. And the byproduct of helping their business is that you get a sale. So when uh, my BDMs used to go out to cafe owners, their job was to help the cafe owner make money. The business development manager's role was to go out and help build their business. And in turn, what would happen is we we would, uh, would result in a sale of coffee and that's how we got paid. So that's how it looks like on an organizational structure. The business development manager versus um, the title of a salesperson. And of course, we, we had them by state. So we had business development managers in each state uh, and they reported to a national business development um, manager. So, um, you know, that's how it looked on our structure. In terms of referrals, I always say that um, referrals are best, right? And um, the way it works is third-party endorsement always works well. Uh, when we talk about marketing, and I've done a flashcast on that in depth, we talk about owning a voice, which is your business cards, your uh, um, websites or your signage, uh, buying a voice, which is the least effective, which is your advertising, where a lot of people spend money, you know, on on print media, social media, all sorts of media. They're they're pushing information out, and then there's the third one, which is earning a voice. 
And it's all about referrals. It's about doing such a great job that people want to tell others about you. And the referral arrangement that I always had was to make sure that we are looking after people that refer us. Now, looking after can be a bottle of scotch, which I used to do a lot of. So cafe owners used to tell other cafe owners and I'd get a phone call. I'd go back and give them a bottle of scotch. In some cases, we'd give them a week's free coffee order. Um, in other um, areas, it, it was um, you know done by a percentage of return. The referral type that works best is to me is an arrangement between two parties because not everybody wants the same system. And of course, it works different for different industries. So in our industry, that's how we did it. You know, it was always a thank you, um, you know, felt from the heart, but there was always something that would, um, would transact, um, you know, but from an emotionally engaging perspective, whether it was a bottle of scotch, a week's free worth of coffee, or whether it was a constant return, um, there was a, um, a thank you rather than an incentive when it came to referral. And that's probably the best way to put it is for me, the referral, Referral isn't um, shouldn't be backed by an incentive. It should be backed by a heartfelt thank you, and tied to that can be some sort of actual um, commercial arrangement. Uh, but again, not everyone wants a commercial arrangement in terms of um, materialistic. It can be uh, take them to dinner. It can be take them to the football. It can be whatever works. Whatever emotionally engages somebody to refer you is the key to that. Leading on to incentives, um, this is something that I've always um, tackled and I don't like the word bonuses because to me, a bonus becomes expected. Um, I always revert back to the incentive model of being, your incentive one is job security. You know, you must be doing the bare minimum to make sure that you are valued and um, needed in the organization. That's the number one incentive is that you stay employed. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. Is it, In a world, especially now post-COVID, that's volatile and changing, we need to make sure that we're staying relevant to our employers. And, and that includes when I was working um, as a consultant to retail food group. If I wasn't staying relative to them, I don't have a contract. It's very simple. Um, you know, so the number one incentive is to do enough to make sure that you're relevant and you're needed in the organization. Step two is of course comes back to the value proposition, which is the more you money you make for the organization, the more you should be making for yourself. And again, incentives mean different things to different people. And I'm going to use two different examples. The incentive for sales teams and BDMs, of course, is normally monetary. Um, you, you know, you pay them a healthy base wage that gets them to, to be relative and do their job. But then you need to put incentive systems in place where the more money they make the organization, the more they make you. Now, with some of my team, with it was if I wanted to sell more equipment, it would be percentage of sales. Um, in other people, it was um, dollar per kilo or $2 per kilo, whatever the commercialization, but it was per item sold. But remember that the incentive kicked in after they did what was required to keep their position safe, secure, and relative in the organization, right? They have to be doing the minimum to make sure that they're covering their wage and some before an incentive kicks in. To me, incentives are based on the fact that somebody's going above and beyond their call of duty and you reward them accordingly. So going above your beyond call of duty and rewarding someone um, accordingly is the best incentive. And the other example I'd use is when we wanted to incentivize our uh, dispatch team for, for, you know, doing an amazing job where the national um, average of delivered in full on time, DFOT, which is a measurement they use for warehousing and distribution, it was 92% is excellence. Our team was running at 98% and above. And the incentive when we asked them that they wanted, what would incentivize you to keep it at 98 plus? They came back with, we want to have a weekly barbecue on a Friday. 
Now, it might sound strange, but can I tell you that weekly barbecue um, was what mattered to them, not being paid more. And that weekly barbecue not only became famous across the country in other organizations and also with our other dispatch facilities who then went on to do, you know, Friday pizza, Friday um, Mexican, they started to change the theme. The incentive for them was to get everybody together in a family communal style and celebrate what they'd achieved together as a team all week. And um, can I tell you, it was one of the most amazing and inspiring things ever. Um, and no doubt I'll be talking about it for many years to come. So incentives means different things to different people. And the best incentive system um, kicks in after people go, when their people are doing going above and beyond, but also when it's personalized to what matters to them. Um, some of the things that uh, works and didn't work, and let me tell you, the number one thing is about motivation, right? And um, let me give you some tips on how to motivate um, a business um, development team or a sales team, right? Is to make sure that they have goals. You need to be very clear on what the goals are. Now, they can be goals, purposes, objectives, different wording for different industries, but you need to be very clear on where they are and where they need to be, right? Because if you're not telling them where they need to be, there's nothing to aim for. Now, they need to be able to then focus on this purpose. You can't distract them. A lot of people want to give sales targets um, or um, numbers to hit, but then they start to distract people by giving them other work to do, pulling them away from one job to another. You need to set, allow them to focus on what that goal is or focus on that purpose. The next thing is that they need to build trust. They need to make sure that they can trust you and you can trust them. But they need to know that if they do what you've set out to do, that you will then deliver on what they need. And then you need to make sure that you create a culture of recognition, right? You need to reward. And rewarding is not always of giving, it's of acknowledging. And I've always said that if you acknowledge the good, you can always acknowledge the bad. Now, to wrap things up, um, how do you get people not to leave you? You got to give people, my motto is simple, have people good enough to own their own business, give them a reason not to. Now, whether that's through money, through job security, through owning a business with them, through sharing something, that's the model about making sure. The biggest risk is that person might leave you, but if you give them a reason not to, they won't. But if they still do, some of the tips to keep the clients with you, you make sure you have a relationship with all your clients. And that's what I used to do. So in the spirit of 10 minutes, thank you. Ray, um, I hope people get lots out of this. You've been listening to Phil DeBella, and this is Flashcast by PDB. (laughs) 